Welcome to a Story of Us podcast presented by the Anthropology Public Outreach Program at The Ohio State University. Our guest today is our new forensic anthropologist, Stephanie Cole. Thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. To begin, our first question is, could you talk a little bit about a new book or article you recently read? Yes. This morning, I read an article called Sexual Dimorphism of the Juvenile Basie Cranium by Veroni and colleagues that was published in 2010. These authors wanted to determine if certain measurements of the basie cranium, which simply refers to the base of the skull, could differentiate the sexes during childhood. It had previously been determined that differences in the size of certain structures at the base of the skull, such as the foramen magnum, exist between males and females. The foramen magnum is a large hole in the base of our skull that permits the passage of our spinal cord out of the skull and down our vertebrae or backbones. These authors found that sex differences in the length and breadth of the foramen magnum exist by eight years of age, with males typically being larger in these dimensions than females. These and other basicranial measurements could be used to obtain a sex estimate with roughly 75% accuracy. I was interested in this study because I am a forensic anthropologist with interests in developing identification methods for unknown decedents, and I specialize in estimating sex in both adults and children. Wonderful. For question two, could you briefly define forensic anthropology for non-experts or those who maybe don't know what it is? What is it, what are its methods, and what are its implications outside of the discipline? Sure. Forensic anthropology is a subfield within biological anthropology that involves the analysis of unidentified human remains. While a forensic anthropologist's casework typically involves forensic scenarios involving homicide, we can also assist with cases including mass and natural disasters, as well as fire scenes. Forensic anthropologists are skeletal experts, and we use bones and teeth to answer three overarching questions about unidentified decedents. These questions are, who was this person? What happened to this person? And when did this person die? To answer the question, who was this person, we establish something called the biological profile. This is done by examining the bony attributes of a decedent to estimate their sex, stature, age at death, and population affinity or ancestry. The goal of establishing the biological profile is to facilitate a positive identification. To answer the question, what happened to this person, we conduct a trauma analysis to look for signs of injury. We classify trauma according to mechanism, including blunt force, sharp force, or high-velocity projectile trauma, and timing, including trauma that happened before death, at or around the time of death, and after death. To answer the question, when did this person die, we'll focus on things like the degree of soft tissue decomposition and weathering of the bone. Doing this is referred to as establishing the postmortem interval or time since death. An important component of forensic anthropology is forensic archaeology, which involves processing the outdoor death scene. This includes searching for remains, documenting the remains in situ, and ensuring a thorough and careful recovery of remains at the scene. Forensic anthropology has important implications in other disciplines, including biology, anatomy, and medicine. However, forensic anthropology also has important implications for our society at large, including bringing closure to families who are missing a loved one. Thank you. Question three is, uh, could you talk about your research specifically from your PhD program? It was about sub-adult sex estimation. What are those methods, and why is it important to innovate in more of them? To start, I just want to mention that the word subadult is simply a fancy word referring to children. Until recently, there existed a persistent belief in forensic anthropology that sex estimation could only be conducted on adults, which in the United States, of course, refers to the chronological age of 18 years and older. However, the most commonly used regions of the skeleton for estimating sex are the skull and pelvis, and it is understood that sex differences in these regions arise due to hormonal changes occurring at puberty. 
So sex estimation should be possible prior to adulthood and therefore could be included as part of the subadult biological profile to facilitate identification. In contrast to previous research that has largely focused on legal and cultural definitions of maturity, my research takes an ontogenetic approach based in growth and development to investigate the developmental trajectories of the skull and pelvic traits most commonly used for estimating sex in adults to determine their applicability in estimating sex in subadults across maturity stages. First, to test the validity of the claim that subadult sex estimation is in fact tenable, I conducted studies which unequivocally showed sex traits of the skull and pelvis express observable sex differences prior to adulthood. However, because sex differences in these regions result from puberty, and because individuals experience puberty at different ages, estimating sex based on a minimum age requirement is problematic. To avoid a reliance on age when estimating sex in subadults, I then investigated the use of skeletal maturity indicators associated with various stages of puberty to determine when during growth and development sex could be accurately estimated. As a note, skeletal maturity indicators simply refer to specific bones in the body that ossify or fuse at a particular time during maturation or a particular pubertal stage and can be used to estimate an individual's maturity status. The results illustrated that skeletal maturity indicators provide a valid way to capture sex-specific growth patterns that occur during adolescence and direct sex differences in the skull and pelvis. Therefore, they can be used to assist practitioners in deciding if sex estimation is possible in a subadult individual without needing to rely on an age-at-death estimate. Together, this research has led to the creation of a sex estimation method specifically for subadults called the Ontogenetic Subadult Sex Estimation System, or ONSET for short. ONSET is freely available as a computer program. To use ONSET, practitioners will first evaluate nine skeletal maturity indicators to determine if a subadult is mature enough for sex to be accurately estimated. If onset estimates the subadult as mature based on these nine indicators, 13 sex traits of the skull and pelvis are then evaluated, and onset will generate a sex estimate. It is important to continue developing subadult sex estimation methods, as few accurate methods currently exist. For example, prior to the development of onset, subadult sex estimation was largely thought untenable. Therefore, the development of onset and other subadult sex estimation methods will have a transformative impact on the field of forensic anthropology by increasing the number of identifications in forensic contexts and improving outcomes in medical legal death investigations involving children. Question four is, what is the morphological pelvis and skull sex estimation database? And why is this a critical intervention and resource? The Morphological Pelvis and Skull Sex Estimation Database, or MorphoPass for short, is a program I assisted in developing under the direction of my former master's advisor, Dr. Alexandra Clales, at Washburn University in Topeka, Kansas. MorphoPass is a program used by forensic anthropologists to estimate sex in adults. Like onset, MorphoPass involves the examination of skull and pelvic traits that differ between the sexes. To do this, the forensic anthropologist will compare a skull or pelvic trait of an unknown decedent to exemplar images, which are labeled with scores of 1 through 5, and select the score that best represents the trait. Lower scores represent grossile or female-like morphology, and higher scores represent robust or male-like morphology. Once a score has been selected for each skull and pelvic trait, the scores are entered into the MorphoPass system, and a sex estimate will be generated. MorphoPass is an important resource for forensic anthropologists because it is freely available, user-friendly, and is regularly used in casework to help identify unknown adult decedents. So to move to local matters, uh, what are the current plans for the forensic anthropology program here at Ohio State? What types of teaching will the program include, and is there a current opportunity for student participation in research and, of course, in courses? 
The Department of Anthropology just launched a new forensic anthropology major this fall, and there are plans to begin a master's program in forensic anthropology in the near future. Regarding the undergraduate major, there are a number of exciting courses available, including forensic anthropology, human osteology, introduction to forensic science, dental anthropology, and growth and development. Students interested in seeing the full list of courses available can go to OSU's Department of Anthropology website and under the undergraduate tab, click on the BS in Forensic Anthropology link. This semester I am teaching Introduction to Forensic Anthropology and next semester I will be teaching Introduction to Forensic Science and a more advanced course in Forensic Anthropology. I implement real case studies in my lectures and provide students with hands-on activities. For example, I just finished teaching my students an introduction to forensic anthropology about morphopaths and onset, and they have spent time learning how to use and interpret the results obtained by these systems. Yesterday, I met with colleagues Dr. Amanda Agnew and Dr. Angela Hardin from the Injury Biomechanics Research Center to brainstorm ways for undergraduate students to gain research experience in forensic anthropology and related disciplines. We are also coming up with ways for students to volunteer at organizations in the area and get involved with internships. So we'll have more ideas and options for students soon. Excellent. Sounds wonderful. To close, is there anything else you would like our listeners to know about your research or your teaching here at Ohio State or in the past or in the future? Yes. Um, there remains much to be done regarding subadult sex estimation, and I plan to continue improving and expanding onset. This will include the incorporation of additional skeletal maturity indicators to ensure the highest accuracy rates possible. I also plan to explore the use of metric skeletal and dental data in estimating sex in immature individuals and will also incorporate these data in onset. I have a lot of fun teaching my students about my research, and if any OSU students listening have an interest in forensic anthropology, I hope to see you in one of my classes soon so I can teach you more about these systems and the field of forensic anthropology more broadly. Thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate it. Thank you again for having me.